Spotlight on raising awareness on safeguarding with communities. Hello, I'm Nastasia Getchim and this is Spotlight On, a podcast by the Safeguarding Resource and Support Hub. On this episode, we talk to Tamba Aleyu about why it's important to talk to communities about safeguarding and effective ways we can do that, including through drama and role play. Tamba Aleyu is an experienced safeguarding specialist who works with children and young people and adults at risk. He is skilled in mainstreaming safeguarding and protection against sexual exploitation, abuse and sexual harassment, as well as in investigations and community engagement. Tamba is currently based in Sierra Leone and is the Global Safeguarding Manager for Restless Development, a youth-led development agency that empowers young people to lead change in their communities. Hi Tamba, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you very much. So can you tell us a bit about yourself and how you came to work in safeguarding? Yes, of course, it has been a wonderful experience over the past eight years plus. It all started after the civil war in Sierra Leone, basically where we, though I was a little bit young, but um, we experienced the, the war. You know, it was very, very disastrous. It was really, really frustrating for us. But after the war in 2002, we had a large um, number of influx of aid workers who came to Sierra Leone in order for us, in order for them to help us. And during that time is when I started realizing that aid workers were actually involved in a kind of sexual exploitation and abuse. Because at that time, you know, we were going through hard times. That is where the vision came from. And whilst I was in university, I was involved in some kind of advocacy against sex for grade. In my intern, I was, I volunteered to embark on safeguarding activities for community organization mobilization and empowerment. We are in doing my intern, then later I was given the position of gender advisor. Then I rose to, in another organization again, I went as a safeguarding investigation coordinator. Then I went to Concern Worldwide as accountability advisor, then I came to Restless Development. Initially, I was the Senior Safeguarding and Protection Coordinator and later promoted to the Global Safeguarding Manager. You know, that has been my journey. So it sounds like safeguarding has been a particular area of interest for a long time for you. Can you tell us a bit more about the work that you do with Restless Development? Yes. We have been doing a lot in terms of strengthening safeguarding standards across the agency. So basically what I've been doing over the years is to ensure that we engage in um, identification of risks, we engage in prevention, we engage in reporting, we engage in response, and of course, we also engage in reporting. For identification, over the years, we have been ensuring that we identify safeguarding risks within our organization as well as in our programs to ensure that we deliver safe programs in our operational areas. So in terms of the preventive measures, what we have been doing as an agency, we have been ensuring that systems are being put in place, for example, like strengthening our organizational culture and that we ensure 
that at individual level, at leadership level, at organizational level, everyone knows they are safeguarding rules and responsibility. And also, again, what we have also been doing is, I've also been ensuring that we promote equality, equity, and justice within restless development. In fact, that's why recently I developed the Women's Empowerment Policy. That one has been also signed off. What, again, I have also done within the course of my restless journey is to ensure that we engage in safer recruitment and employee life cycle. We are in, we, we, because we believe that people that we are going to employ should be safe from sexual exploitation and abuse. That's why we, we, we involve in serious vetting. We don't joke about that, right? From advertisement to ensure that safeguarding is being popularized in doing recruitment, doing interview, you know, and after post-interview, we ensure that strategy measures are put in place for effective vetting because we want people that we will recruit that will not come and pose harm in our communities or the beneficiaries we are working with. So we also ensure that our programs are safe in those communities because we believe that we don't want to go into the community and create more harm. So that's why we are involved. We involved in um, we deliver safe programs, etc. So, we, in terms of our reporting, we have set up, we engaged, we engage our beneficiaries in the 16 district of Sierra Leone. We are in, we, we engage in a focus group discussion. We ask them to give us their preferred reporting mechanism, their preferred reporting channels. That is what they did. They gave up, they gave us. We have installed those channels in those community. We have both formal and informal reporting channels. We have the phone line. We have people we have trained in those communities that they are the, they, that they identify that these are the people they trust they want to report their safeguarding issues to. So we train those people only to report if the if our community members or beneficiary report safeguarding issue to them, their responsibility is to report to us within 24 hours. So that is what we have done in terms of reporting. In fact, that's why in 2020 we were recognized by bond because of that activity we undertook. So it has created a lot of impact in those communities. Now we are receiving a lot of issues, both valid and invalid, because we have those channels in those communities. So in terms of our response, we have been ensuring that we, we respond adequately to safeguarding issues. So in terms of case management, we have been proactive in terms of ensuring that we manage our case and confidentiality is key safety all the principles of crm like confidentiality safety um, accessibility that's why we conduct a focus group discussion with our beneficiaries in order for them to to tell us their reporting channels you know in those communities so that is what i have been doing in restless development and of course we have also been ensuring i've been ensuring that we raise awareness because Putting those channels in those communities is not enough, but we need to tell the people what, how they should report, what they should report on, and of course, we, we tell them about the confidentiality of those reporting channels. So that's what I've been doing over the years. As you, as you said, raising awareness and communicating on, you know, safeguarding issues and letting, you know, communities know how, how they can report and what they can report is so important but as we know it can be very challenging too could you tell us in a bit more detail about um, some of the ways that you communicate safeguarding with the communities that you work with um, is there anything that um, that you've tried that has been particularly effective or innovative 
Yes. So over the years, before now, we have been using community engagement to conduct um, sensitization. But I recently, I developed um, a safeguarding online tool, which was installed in all the phones of the district safeguarding officers. Basically, they go to the community, they ask them questions surrounding safeguarding, their knowledge, beneficiaries and community members' knowledge on safeguarding, their knowledge on our refer our pathways, their knowledge on our reporting channels, etc. A lot of questions. So when we analyze the data, it shows that in terms of awareness, you know, we, we are at a, low, at a low pace in terms of the knowledge of safeguarding in those communities. So I decided to change the strategy. Now, because of, I look at it, I say, because of, when you look at the level of understanding in terms of literacy in those communities, it's very low. So what I did was I look at all our projects. We have Enchimari, we have Leave No Girl Behind. We have so many other projects. So we, I decided to have drama groups, you know, I identify, I first of all, call all the district safeguarding officers. You know, we have the, this meeting, we said, because of the low, the, in terms of the awareness raising, the people, in terms of their knowledge, it's very low. So we need to, we need to increase their knowledge on safeguarding, our reporting channels, etc. So I decided to have drama as the centerpiece of our awareness raising. So we, I developed skits. Of course, Restless Development, we are working with volunteers, both national and community volunteers. So we have volunteers that are very innovative. So we identify them, you know, we build their capacity, we practice, then they go to those communities. They dramatize on our pro seven prohibited behavior. For example, having sexual relationship with someone below the age of 18 years is prohibited. This is something that we dramatize so that the people will understand. And of course, one interesting part of it is after the drama, we we'll ask the community members to give us, without saying any, any word, we ask them to give us their own understanding, what they understand through this drama. So they will give us their own understanding. And of course, it has been really wonderful. It has been helpful. The people make immense contribution on, on those prohibited behavior, you know. And it has really helped because... Sexual exploitation and abuse is something that has, you know, it, it's something that that's common in Sierra Leone. But because of the the intervention of NGOs, you know, it's and the government, it's it's actually reducing at a drastic pace, you know. And that is why we are engaging our beneficiaries and community members using innovative measures, for example, like dramas and role play. And of course, we also use infographics. These are pictures. Because sometimes when you use, we, we I ensure that we target all sorts of categories of people. For example, persons with disability, for those who cannot hear but see, you know, like for example, the deaf. They can see the drama, you know, they can see and understand, you know, what we are dramatizing. For example, for those who cannot see but hear, we use storytelling. So that's what we have been. So we target all categories of people. That is why as an organization, that's what we have been doing. And it has been contributing a lot because these people, they know about our 2005, which is toll-free line. Because doing our drama, we bring out all everything they need to know. For example, like what a staff, you know, a staff or representative of restless development, what we are not supposed to do in those communities. And if we do those things, it is their right, it is their responsibility to report using those channels they have identified. So that's what we have been doing. And after the drama, 
after the role play, after the storytelling, we tell them, we give, we ask of them to give us, for them to give us feedback. And it has been really wonderful. The feedback, it shows that they actually understand the strategy, the innovative ways we are using. And of course, recently we have done an analysis. And before now, we are at a low pace. But the recent analysis we have now, it's really, really, really encouraging. And that's what we'll keep doing in all our projects. So that's that's what we have, that's what that's the innovative measures we have put in place to ensure that we raise awareness so that we target all categories of people, whether you are literate or illiterate. Thanks, Amber. That sounds so interesting. And I'd love to see some of those infographics that you've developed as well. And it's great to hear that some of the some of the findings that you're getting are, are, are really promising. I mean, you, you've kind of touched on this already, but I, I'd like to ask you a bit more about, I mean, obviously, sexual exploitation, abuse and sexual harassment is such a sensitive issue. And it's not always so easy to talk about, you know, even with people that we know well and that we trust. Obviously, adds to this the fact that some of the terms and definitions that we use are not always, you know, quite easy to understand or easy to translate. I just wonder whether you've got anything that you can share with us about the approach to communicate on these sensitive issues that you thought resonated really well, or maybe some of the challenges about communicating on this very sensitive issue. Yes, what I've been doing over the years is, of course, we believe that um, sexual exploitation and abuse is very sensitive. And that is why we have been ensuring that uh, measures are put in place to, to, to overcome those challenges. So what we have been doing over the years is we have been engaging community stakeholders because if they actually, we grab the knowledge, then we, we will not have more challenge with them. Um, engaging the community members. So we have been engaging them for them, for the community stakeholders to know the implication of sexual exploitation and abuse. For example, we have, you know, sometimes we use symbolism and we use our traditional setting for, for us to really bring out this message. For example, when you look at um, the, the, the hen, when the hen is raising the chicks, you know, you find out that if the, anyone wants to harm those chicks, you find out that the, the her reaction will be very much, uh, you know, devastating. So we, for the community people, when you say safeguard, they, they, they really understand the concept that it means protect. But to some extent, they find it very difficult. What does this protection mean? So that um, that's the situation when we come in, we try to ensure that we try to raise their awareness for them to ensure that when there's a safeguarding, it's more or less how you protect people from harm, exploitation, and abuse. So we have been ensuring that we use like a, a sort of like symbols for them to really understand what is safeguarding. When they say protection, what it means, how we should protect each other in our communities, in our spaces, in our settings. So we have been ensuring that um, sometimes we even use like I said, like the infographics, the drawing, we use traditional settings. We are in, for example, you see someone, a woman plating her hair, you know, how that, that it depicts in the picture, the message it is sending. So that's how we have been ensuring that these people really grabs the knowledge on safeguarding. They understand what safeguarding means. They understand its implication. They understand that if this happens, it's my responsibility to report. So that's what we have been. We have been using traditional means, you know, a traditional because it this is something that has been that has been in a, in existence. 
But the extent at which now we look at it, it's quite different. So we ensure that we raise that awareness. We, we ensure that we use our traditional settings as an example on how, on what safeguarding means. So that's what we have been doing. Is the audience primarily children or adults or is it is it a mix of people within the community? So what we do is we target different people at different meetings, for example, because you know, we want to give people opportunities for them to speak out. Because if you say we we'll have meetings with children, adults at the same time, you find out that the children will not speak. So we have meetings with adults, like for example, men to be specific. We have meetings with women to be specific. We have meetings with children. So that's what we are doing. We hold different meetings with different categories of people. We have meetings with persons with disability because as an organization, we believe that if you go to those communities, then you say, we, we in our cultural settings, when we men, women are in a meeting, whatever the man say, it's final. In fact, the women will say, yes, the man has said it all. So we don't want that kind of situation. We want a situation where in, Every voice matters. Every voice matters. We give opportunities. That's why we create the space for people to speak. That's why we have different, in our, even, even in our um, CRM consultation, community um, um, complaint response mechanism consultation, we ensure that we have different categories of people. We engage them differently. Why are we doing this? We want to ensure that we capture the voices, the opinions of those categories. For example, men, what are they saying? Women, what, what's their understanding? The children persons with disabilities. So that's what we are doing. Right, so making sure that you're setting setting the scene and allowing the space for really meaningful exchange and dialogue. Sure. And then in terms of how you sort of deliver the dramas and the questions, that, that will differ depending on obviously who you're communicating with. What has been the sort of key impact that you've seen as, as a result of raising community awareness of safeguarding? You mentioned that after some of your sessions, you'll gather feedback and it's been broadly positive. What has been the impact sort of beyond that that you can, that you can share with us? So it has been really wonderful because um, before now, why we, we are just having community engagement, dialogue, it, it was not making any impact. But using innovative, ways to raise awareness is really helpful. In fact, that's one message I'm currently sending across to other, to other agency for, for us to be using innovative ways, because if we want to target different categories of people, we should be innovative. Safeguarding is a very sensitive concept and it should be treated as one. Because for example, using dramas, you, using storytelling, role play, using infographics to raise awareness in those communities on safeguarding, on sexual exploitation and abuse. We speak volume, you know, we, we, we leave a, a blueprint in those communities because we have, if you have system in place and the people don't really understand how to make complaint, when to make complaint, what to complain about, it's, well, then we are not doing anything. So when we go to those communities, it's our responsibility to ensure that the people grab this knowledge on safeguarding. They know what their rights are, what they should report on. Because like I said, my history on um, safeguarding 
way back, we don't have any reporting channel. We were exploited. We don't have any reporting channel. But now we are seeing organizations having systems in place. But now what we have to do is to ensure that the people really have the knowledge. You know, like I said, accessibility is one of the principles of complaint response mechanism. People should have access to our reporting channel and they should understand what they should report on. So if we use dramas, we use innovative ways of raising and com- uh, of raising awareness on safeguarding, it will really help. It will leave a blueprint in those communities. Like we have case studies when we went to those communities, when we engage them on their preferred reporting channel. So many people say, say, say a lot of things, you know, about our safeguarding channels, about even engaging them. They, they feel the ownership. They feel belong. They feel, you know, it's, it's so touching. It's so heart-rending when you hear some of those case studies. And really, it's like a message we should be using innovative ways of raising awareness in those communities because we should not leave out persons with disability. Only community meetings will not help. Community dialogue will not help. If we engage in innovative ways like drama, it will help persons with disability. It will help those who who even find it very difficult to understand because it will capture their mind, their attention. If we just stand and talk, People are lost in thought. So you use something that will capture their attention. So that's what we are doing. Sometimes people, not that they don't want to listen, but because of their situation, because of what they are facing, you know, you need to be innovative to capture their attention, to grasp the knowledge on safeguarding. That is exactly what we are doing. Great, thanks. And I mean, that sounds like a very convincing argument for, for why it's so important to to really think outside the box when when, communi- when communicating with um, the people that we work with and maybe not re- rely on the more traditional forms that maybe aren't so engaging. Do you have any key tips for our audience if they were interested in also using drama and role play to start communicating with, with members about safeguarding? Would you have any tips for them? Yes, yes, I'll have tips for them. In fact, that's why when I put it on LinkedIn, I said I'm open for discussion. In fact, what we have been doing is been having a lot of meetings with different focal, safeguarding focal person from different organizations. So one thing I'll always say is what we have, be, what I have been doing over the years is to ensure that one, we tell them you identify few people, you allow them to come forward. You don't force people to come and dramatize. You know, you identify people, you you bring out the information that we need people who can help us to raise awareness on safeguarding using drama. You try to identify the resources. So having identified the resources, we design the script on what we are going to, to raise awareness on. For example, like for us, we have our seven prohibited behavior. We have our reporting channels in those communities. So we identify all those, you know, and one interesting thing again that they should always take into, into cognizance is the language. Language is very important. You communicate in the local dialect of the community people. In fact, that's why, like for us, we have community mobilizers and also national mobilizers. These community mobilizers are mobilizers that we recruit from the community so they can speak the local dialect of those community people. So we engage them also. They are also part of the community. They are also part of the drama. They are also part of the drama. So that's what we have been doing. It's really, it has been really helpful. So language is very important. Then from there, you practice. You engage. After that, you, you haven't looked at how they are going to stage the drama, then you engage in practice, like one or two times or three times, then they go to the community. 
when they go to the community. And of course, I will also recommend that they include, maybe if they are working with volunteers, they also include the volunteers to be part of it. You know, for example, like even allow some community members. It might be like if you are working with volunteers or you have focal person in those community, you engage them as well, that they should be also part of the drama. And that will captivate them because if the community people see that um, they have their own sons and daughters part of this German group, they want to see them. They will feel, they will appreciate the process. And by so doing, they also, they will be learning whilst the drama, whilst they are studying the drama. So that's the strategy we have been using. Well, I love it. Some really helpful tips in there. And yeah, a really important point around the kind of importance of language and local dialect, making sure that that's, that's really, you know, using terms and definitions that are, you know, appropriate and easily understood and sensitive. Tamba, you've mentioned that you have been asking community members themselves to let you know about uh, the ways that they prefer to report. Is there anything that you could share with us um, around successful, maybe more informal reporting channels that you found? Yes. So what we have, so it has been really wonderful engaging the community people for them to to give us their preferred reporting channel. So one example I had is we engaged the 16 district in Sierra Leone. And of course, some community members said they want the mommy queen to be like a focal person that will be communicating to us any safeguarding issue within their own community and around their surrounding. So this mommy queen is like a woman's advocate, you know, in Sierra Leone. That's the, that's the role of the mommy queens. They are like advocating for women, their rights, you know, advocating for them in terms of gender-based violence, etc. So at a point in time, we received one um, issue and um, the issue was like um, someone was, was abused and the person need medical attention and they were kind of struggling how to, you know, how to refer this, this survivor. So what, what we did, what the volunteers did was they called me and I called the mommy queen. The mommy queen called the district, you know, that is responsible for the, the, the ambulance. They immediately respond to, to her call and they, the survivor was taken immediately to the to the to the hospital. So that's that's these are some of these are some of our you know these are some of our wonderful stories. We tell people that what we have been doing. We don't always like um, rely on like um, our own staff or whatsoever. But we also engage the the community people. We train them how to report, and that's what exactly they have been doing. They have connections. You know, sometimes they they, they will be even ahead of us in terms of addressing those issues, like for example, like in, in case of refer, you know, this thing we have also trained them how to make refer, and that's exactly what they did. You know, they have been ensuring that the race issue, the the race issue to us within the, the stipulated time, which is 24 hours, we also, they, they have been trained that they should not delay to report any safeguarding issue to us. And of course, they have also been trained how to access safety. And if that person need refer, they should refer immediately. So that's what they have been doing over the years. Oh, that's so interesting. Thank you so much for sharing, Tamba. Brilliant. And Tamba, from, from your perspective, was there anything that you really wanted to, to really highlight to our audience that maybe didn't come up in some of the questions that I asked you? Yes, I think um, one thing I really want to I want to highlight. For me, I believe that we should change our strategies in terms of raising awareness. You know, for far too long, we have been engaging in community 
meetings, community dialogue. I think this, this, this is the time for us to use innovative ways of raising um, awareness on safeguarding. Safeguarding has been a very sensitive subject and it has created a lot of problem across the agencies, you know, because a safeguarding issue alone, it's really complicated, you know. That's why, but if we raise awareness, people know that safeguarding, they know about our safeguarding policies, they know about our reporting channel, it will help a lot. Because I think one gap we have is in terms of um, our beneficiaries, there's a kind of a knowledge gap you know, in terms of their awareness on safeguarding. Sometimes we we'll go and put reporting channels in those communities. We tell, we just say, uh, uh, report through this channel, report through, but they don't actually know what they should report on. So if we can change our strategies, we engage them, you know, using different approaches. These people will actually know what they should report on, when to report, you know, how they should report, who to contact, what are some of our reporting channels, et cetera? Because if we change our strategies, we'll target all categories of people. Persons with disability also have the right to know about safeguarding. We need to target them as well. If we are using different strategies, we are using innovative ways of raising community awareness on safeguarding, it will help us a lot. I think this, this is something I, I just want to highlight. Yes, and you, you started off by, by, by saying that there is so there was such low awareness among communities about how and what to report. And we all know in the sector that reporting is generally very, very low. And so to, to do this seems like such a great way to, to address that, that very real problem and to take the kind of code of conduct and bring it to life through drama to really illustrate very clearly what what's unacceptable behavior, what is acceptable behavior and, and what people can do if, that, if they come into contact with that. So yes, thank you so much, Tamba. It was, it was really, really great to hear from you. That was Tamba on raising awareness on safeguarding with communities. There were lots of really interesting learning points. So we've put them into an infographic, which you can find and download in the podcast description. If you'd like to share your own experiences of raising awareness on safeguarding with communities, or if you'd like to share reflections on Tamba's approach, we'd love to hear from you. Please comment on this post on social media and we can start hearing and learning from each other. Thank you to Tamba for sharing your experience and to all of you for listening. We hope that you enjoyed this episode and we hope to see you on our next podcast.